Welcome to the Youth and Policy Podcast. We are a youth-run, nonpartisan institute utilizing discourse to redefine the way youth interacts with policy. The institute welcomes diversity, discourse, innovation, and education to achieve this goal. Thank you for supporting the Institute for Youth and Policy. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to the Youth and Policy Podcast. I'm your host, Dan Siddiqui. Um, So I wanted to start off this week's episode by talking about the ongoing negotiations within the $3.5 trillion reconciliation bill. Now, this bill is said to be massively scaled back, and it looks like President Biden is getting rolled and essentially giving away the farm in these negotiations. So according to Manu Raju of CNN, community college scholarships, Medicare expansion, Affordable Care Act funding, and universal pre-K are still on the table. However, Biden recently told progressives in a meeting that free community college has been stripped out, the child tax credit will only get a one-year extension, home health care is likely to be less than $250 billion and was supposed to be $400 billion, and most importantly, all of the climate change measures are still up for debate, meaning all of the $300 billion or so that was said to be um, assigned to climate is still up for debate. So none of the climate provisions might happen, including, you know, um, building more EV chargers and, you know, getting rid of fossil fuels, things like that. Um, one thing that you have to keep in mind when you're talking about climate is that uh, Senator Joe Manchin leads several committees that deal with climate uh, while also having his son own a coal company. So I have no doubt in my mind that all, a lot of these concessions are due to the influence of Joe Manchin and also Kirsten Cinema. Um, now it's looking like the total price of the bill is said to be $1.75 to $1.9 trillion, almost half of the original bill, which was $3.5 trillion, and less than one third of the original, original Bernie Sanders bill, which was said to be $6 trillion, which would have um, adequately addressed uh, the needs that we have. So here's my personal take on this. I don't think that um, Joe Biden is really um, concerned when it comes to fighting super hard for the $3.5 trillion reconciliation bill. I think he wants to pass the bipartisan hard infrastructure bill, which was around, I believe, $1.2 trillion that was passed, um, I believe, in the Senate uh, about a month ago or so, which was essentially a corporate giveaway, but it did um, improve infrastructure in some areas and it got a lot of bipartisan support. And I think that now he wouldn't even care if this bill got stripped down to maybe only $1 trillion, because I think he just wants to pat himself on the back and say, hey, I got something passed. Uh, You know, I'm the great unifier. I got all these Republicans to vote for this bipartisan infrastructure bill. And then I passed this other bill, Um, even if there's, uh, you know, no real like systemic change in the bill. I think he just wants to get something passed um, in order to, you know, pat his accomplishments more and, you know, have something to. Um, brag about as he as Democrats go into the 2022 midterms and as he goes into the 2024 election. So it looks to me like he's looking to score easy political points instead of enacting real change. And I mean, again, I have no doubt that Kirsten Cinema and Joe Manchin are in the driver's seat making demands while Joe Biden is conceding and conceding and conceding along with Nancy Pelosi and Chuck Schumer and the rest of the Democratic Party. Now, in terms of what we should do, I don't believe that progressive should vote for this bill if it's going to be 1.75 to 1.9 trillion dollars. Um, I never believed that the 3.5 trillion dollars can get passed in its entirety. I knew that it would be stripped down, but I always believe that a reasonable number would be 
at least $2.5 to $2.7 trillion, which is still, I mean, that's a lot of money. That's $800 billion, almost a trillion dollars being stripped away from the original bill. And keep in mind that this original bill is even less than the bill that we actually needed, which was $6 trillion. So you have to keep that in mind when you know, you're throwing around these big numbers and it actually seems like a lot of money. But um, a couple of weeks ago, progressives did the right thing by linking the hard infrastructure bill with the reconciliation bill. You know, um, the bipartisan or no, sorry, not bipartisan, the corporate Democrats within the House um, wanted to pass the hard infrastructure bill first so that they could essentially, you know, uh, kill the reconciliation bill, which would actually enact real change. Um, because the hard infrastructure bill was, again, a corporate giveaway, uh, you know, it was a giveaway to uh, the supply chain management industry, uh, you know, building new roads, new bridges, all that increases the profits of corporations. So um, that's what I believe. I, I think they did the right thing by saying, no, um, we're not going to vote for the hard infrastructure bill. The House Progressive Caucus said they won't vote for the hard infrastructure bill until this $3.5 trillion reconciliation bill is passed. Um, so I don't believe that I, I think progressives should keep holding out and keep fighting and they should not hold a vote on either bill until we at least get to $2.5 trillion. Deal. And again, I think that the climate change provisions are probably the most important thing within this bill as a whole. Obviously, the other things like, you know, expanding the child tax credit, um, free community college, you know, expanding Medicare, are obviously very, very badly needed, but I mean, many people don't understand the severity of the climate crisis. Um, like our entire earth is said to undergo uh, devastating, irreversible changes by the year 2030. So we are, I mean, we have essentially already run out of time, but we're running out of time to, you know, further mitigate the damages that have already occurred and future damages that are said to occur. But um, one thing that I don't really see mentioned in the media is that President Biden and Majority Leader Chuck Schumer and even Speaker of the House Nancy Pelosi, they have a lot of you know, leverage over uh, these so-called, quote unquote, moderate members of the House and Senate. Uh, you know, Chuck Schumer could remove Joe Manchin and Kirsten Sinema from their committees um, by holding a vote within his own party. He has that authority. He could also, he doesn't even have to remove them. He can just threaten to hold a vote to remove them. Essentially, because if they get stripped of their committee positions, then they lose all of their power. They gain all of their um, their corporate donations because they're on these important committees. You know, uh, Joe Manchin is on the committee that deals with climate, while his son owns a coal company. You know, Kirsten Cinema is on you know several important committees, and you know you had a former Exxon lobbyist come out and say that, yeah, Joe Manchin is you know he's the kingmaker. He's he's very important to us in our operation. So. If you utilize that leverage you have over them by saying, hey, if you don't go along with our agenda, we are going to remove you from your committee positions. If you continue to you know, leave Washington and abandon your constituents and essentially uh, just engage in open corruption and completely sell out to corporate interests working against the will of your constituents and the American people, um, then we will remove you of your power. I mean, I think that's a pretty fair, reasonable thing to do, but it just seems like you know, frankly, they, they just don't have the balls to do it. Uh, Democrats are cowards, unfortunately, and they want to do everything, you know, the right way and adhere to the system. And they never want to take a bold stand or do anything bold. So, I mean, this is where we're at right now. 
Uh, I mean, there's also there's there's another thing you could leverage on Joe Manchin. Um, his family has engaged in multiple crimes. His daughter engaged in price gouging to raise the prices of EpiPens, making it so millions of people couldn't afford life-saving medication. And they even have her on email um, admitting to doing it. She was asking one of her colleagues in an email, how can we raise the price of EpiPens to collect even more profits? And I mean, obviously, I don't even have to go into how corrupt that is. I mean, you're intentionally price gouging a life-saving medication. And as a result of that, you know, millions of people are not going to be able to afford um, EpiPens. They're going to die of asthma or whatever disease they have. Um, I think just the most disappointing aspect of this entire situation is not just the corruptness of, uh, you know, mention in cinema, because there's always going to be, um, you know, members of Congress who, you know, act in corrupt ways. The real problem is, you know, the leadership, the leadership within the party is not, um, you know, utilizing their leverage to really, um, you know, take a stand or make a change. I mean, we are in an existential crisis right now when it comes to the climate crisis and, you know, when it comes to things we've talked about in our previous episodes, like the ongoing uh, strikes, this is a truly pivotal time in American history and world history as we move forward with the climate crisis. And as we're about to witness, um, you know, devastating changes by 2030. And unfortunately, we have a status quo politician in the White House who is more concerned by doing things by the book and engaging in bipartisanship than actually doing what needs to be done to save our planet, uh, to save our Earth and do what's best for future generations. So I want to transition into our second topic of the day. Recently, um, several workers at Netflix went on strike or walked out due to the recent comedy special, The Closer, that was um that was so i want to transition into our second topic of the day which was that um many workers at netflix are on strike for the recent dave Chappelle special that was that was released titled the closer now uh in this special dave Chappelle said a lot of things that are perceived to be transphobic which honestly some of this stuff was pretty transphobic he essentially said that um, you know, he believes there is no difference between gender and sex, which is, again, you know, not true. Multiple scientific studies have proven that to be not true. That is not a fact. Um, gender is a social construct, while sex is a biological fact. And the two are um, extremely different. And then, again, there have been, you know, multiple societies um, where there was no concept of gender. The concept of gender is just something that something that is normalized in our current society and that has been normalized for thousands and thousands of years. But for example, um, you know, if you do in-depth research on this, Native American societies, um, you know, before colonization actually had no formal um, gender roles. But um, putting that aside, um, there are several workers at Netflix who are extremely upset um, over this special being promoted. And a lot of uh, trans rights groups and LGBTQ plus activists are calling for the special um, to be taken down. Now, it was also revealed that um, one trans employee in Netflix got fired after they went on an entire tweet thread just blasting Netflix for releasing the special. And then Netflix claim, came out and said that the employee was fired because they tried to attend a director level meeting that, uh, you know, they weren't allowed to go to. So, look, as for my take on it, you know, Dave Chappelle has always been targeted by LGBTQ plus groups. I mean, a lot of his... Rhetoric has been based around jokes about the transgender community, but 
Um, in my personal opinion, I don't think that Dave Chappelle's special should be pulled unless it can be proven that violence against trans folks has occurred because of it. Because you can disagree with Dave or think he's a bigot, but you shouldn't be able to, you know, censor him. And then a lot of people are going to say that, well, oh, you you keep that standard for Dave Chappelle, but you don't keep that standard for people like Donald Trump or, you know, other people who are suspended from Twitter due to misinformation. But the thing is with Donald Trump and people who spread, uh, you know, COVID-19 vaccine information or any kind of misinformation when it comes to things like school shootings or whatever it may be, um, I am okay with censoring information or censoring people if they are, you know, promoting things that are ultimately hurting people and resulting in people losing their lives. So if you look at the case of Donald Trump, if you look at his tweets on the day of January 6th and you look at his speeches, um, he intentionally, you know, aggravated the crowd and essentially riled them up to, you know, storm the Capitol, which ultimately resulted in the deaths of, um, you know, several police officers and even, you know, uh, some of his own supporters who were, uh, you know, attacking the Capitol. So when it comes to uh, rhetoric that is extremely inflammatory and um, is essentially its entire purpose is to rile people up and to cause chaos and to, you know, um, sow destruction and cause people to lose their lives, then I am okay with censoring information like that. So for example, let's say Dave Chappelle came out in the special and he said, uh, you know, gender and sex are, you know, the same thing. There's only two genders. And if you see a trans woman trying to use a female bathroom, you should not let them use the bathroom. You should try to stop them in any way you can. Well, that is agitating for violence. So I would be okay with uh, Dave Chappelle's special being pulled if he said something like that. But that's not what he said. And I know this because I've seen the special myself. He said, well, he personally believes that uh, this is kind of like a summarized version of it, but he said he personally believes that, you know, gender and sex are the same thing and you cannot ignore the biological differences between men and women. Again, he's assuming that those are the only two genders, but he said, he also said at the end of that, that that is his personal opinion and he still believes that everyone should be treated with respect. Now look, his opinion is a bad one because ultimately it isn't backed up by any kind of scientific facts or any kind of, you know, biological study. He's just using, you know, presupposed um, opinions that have been in place for decades and decades. So, I mean, obviously he has a horrible opinion, but I don't think that qualifies him to, uh, you know, be removed from the platform. As long as he's not, you know, calling for violence or inciting violence against trans folks, um, I don't believe that he should have his speech censored, but I do believe that, you know, trans groups have every right to call him bigoted, um, to call him, you know, transphobic, whatever they want to call him. And they have every right to, again, express, uh, you know, contradictory information, actually proving um, why what he said was wrong. So I don't believe his special should be pulled, but I do believe that um, trans groups do have the right to criticize him in any way they want. If you look at um, pieces of art or media historically, there are several pieces of art and several pieces of media that have extremely racist and bigoted moments in it. I mean, if you look at uh, The Sopranos, you know, there's several moments in that show, which is probably one of the greatest shows of all time, when, you know, Tony was, you know, um, you know, dropping N-words, you know, saying extremely derogatory things about um, African-Americans and Black people. And, you know, you didn't have the NAACP and other African-American organizations calling for The Sopranos to be canceled. 
And just because there were some racist moments in it, because at the end of the day, it's art. It's art. Like you can't, you can't just take down anything you don't agree with or that you don't like. Again, it's different if you know the the speech or the expression that they that someone is engaging in is causing violence. Like you can't you can't yell fire in a crowded theater. There is limits to um, First Amendment expression, but you can't just censor anything that you don't like. And I mean, if you look back at the history of art and media, like I've said, I mean, some of the greatest pieces of art have had bigoted moments in it. And that's ultimately, um, you know, what made them so impactful. If you look at movies like uh, Django or 12 Years a Slave, there are, you know, there are lots of N-bombs dropped in those movies. And I mean, there are so many countless other examples I can't even remember off the top of my head, but it's really, um, it's really those moments that, uh, you know, are said to educate, they're meant to educate people and they're meant to um, inform people of why they're wrong. As long as you're not, you know, glorifying violence or glorifying something bad. I don't think there's anything wrong with um, with including, you know, a bigoted or racist moments in art, as long as the purpose is entertainment and the sole purpose of it isn't like just to be bigoted and just to be racist. Like if Netflix released this, an entire special where it's just like, oh yeah, uh, you know, sex and gender are the same, uh, trans people don't deserve you know, basic rights. And I'm like, okay, then I'm okay with taking that down because the entire purpose of that special is just to basically uh, be discriminatory and be bigoted. But with Dave Chappelle, with um, Dave Chappelle's special, um, the, he was trying to entertain people. He is a comedian and his entire special didn't revolve around, you know, uh, discriminating against trans, fo- trans folks. So I don't think that the special should ultimately be pulled. Thank you for listening to today's episode. If you enjoyed today's episode and would like to continue supporting us, you can do so by checking out our Instagram page at YIP Institute. If you'd like to see more from me, follow me on TikTok at Political Dan, where I cover the latest news stories right after they release. If you'd like to see more from me, follow me on Instagram at KateMCL16. You can also check out our website at www.yipinstitute.com. Make sure to follow our page as we upload a new episode every week. Have a great day, and remember to be kind to one another.